says, get that India, big boy. Well, 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 look who's back. Before I get to the actual 40, let's introduce myself. Obviously, I'm John, also known as 4020, joining me to break down a very, very important win for the Parramatta Eels is my good mate, 60s. Ooh, we were busy yesterday, mate, with the pregame show live at Jack's Bar and Grill. Cautiously optimistic heading into this big game against the Penrith Panthers, and G did this one live up to the billing. A sensational win for the Eels over... What must be said was an outstanding Penrith team. Last night, we just had such a, a, a great time in the pregame from uh, Parramatta Leagues Club, and everyone knows that's the home of the Eels. And uh, one of the things that I announced last night was that we've had star partners who've been such a loyal sponsor announce to us that they're going to continue their sponsorship of us during 2023. Greg and the team have been long-term partners of TCT. It helps us to bring things all Parramatta Reels to you. I can also announce now for our listeners that we've had Big Swing Golf at North Mead come on board and we couldn't be any more excited to add them to the TCT family. They're located near the heart of Parramatta at North Mead. They've got this most amazing state-of-the-art golf simulators Part of it, their setup there also is a licensed bar. They as being part of the Drum and Golf family, they've got the best golf staff that you'll find in the industry, and they host private parties, corporate functions, uh, fundraisers, or you know, if, if the gang just wants to get together, beat your work crew or or your mates on a Friday night or or whatever, whatever you want to do in in having a bit of fun around golf. And we all know that golf and footy goes together. You can get down to Big Swing Golf at North Mead and they'll take care of you there. Uh, if you any any sort of spe- specific needs that you might have, get in touch with them anyway. Uh, just email Jonathan down at Big Swing, uh, North Mead at bigswinggolf.com.au and he'll be able to help you out down there. So, um, and, and we also must say that because it's so popular, Online reservations are highly recommended. So head to the website, bigswinggolf.com.au forward slash North Mead. And um, yeah, they'll, they'll take care of you down there. Really happy to have them as part of the TCT family. Yeah, you can find them on Windsor Road at North Mead, which means wherever you're going by private car, public transport, however you're getting there, they've got fantastic accessibility. No reason not to drop in, say hello, maybe book a private little function and play some virtual golf. Really happy to bring them on board to the TCT family. And, yeah, just it speaks volumes about the Parramatta community, doesn't it, 60s? So super happy to have the big swing on board. Super happy to have Star Partners back. And, yeah, fantastic, fantastic support for TCT, and it's much appreciated. Now, big fella, I want to hear your thoughts on the game last night because it was a doozy. Mate, I, I you know what? I, I'm going to take some pride in some of the things that we spoke about in the pregame because we talked about the role that Mitch Moses had to play, which was really one of game management. That was what we wanted to see. I think that's basically what we saw from the match was game, the game management version of Mitch Moses. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll talk about aspects of that. 
we we spoke about how tight this match was going to be, and uh, look, oh, I mean, it was a cracker of a game. I don't know that my emotions, my heart, <laughs> take too much more than what we went through last yeah, night. The, but the twists and turns, um, the uh, the palpable cardiac panic, <laughs> you know, just as this game manifested in its different forms. Yeah, uh, the Eels had this. They didn't have it. They had it. Then at the last second, it felt like Penrith had usurped all the momentum heading into Golden Point. Up a man, kicking that insane 40-plus meter field goal from Cleary. The Eels rallied in Golden Point. And Mitchell Moses, well, he spoke about it in the pregame. For those that haven't had a chance to hear because the live stream balked out, unfortunately, uh, we spoke about him controlling this game without overplaying his hand. But when that big moment came to him, needing to take it. And that's exactly how it played out, wasn't it, 60s? He uh, was okay. very, very composed. I wouldn't even say reserved. He was just measured in his approach in this game, that phenomenal long-kicking game that tactically just keeps the Eels in a contest in any given week. We saw that for in its full capacity last night and then come to Golden Point. One shot was all he needed as he smashed it through. and uh, And it couldn't have been a more perfect moment for him on the back of what we believe is a contract extension for the uh, for four years with the club. We're still waiting on making it official, but there's been so much unofficial confirmation. But uh, a perfect way for Moses to cap out that night. Uh, absolutely, because if you if we wind back just a, a few minutes before that, with the moment that Junior put on that high tackle and Cleary kicked that. I'm, I don't know. If I I'm, mean, you'd credit, ever see credit where credit's due. Like that, that was. The, the, the Eels knew it was coming. They raced off the line as well. It wasn't like they were caught unaware. Cleary just absolutely smashed that. That was one of the uh, probably all-time field goals you're going to see in the NRL. It was a Union-esque strike from you know 45 out on the angle. Yeah, so when when that goal went over, I was I was actually resigned to the loss. I I, I turned to people around and I said, my goodness, we found another way to lose. <laughs> like, it, it, I just thought this, the start of the season can't be any worse, surely. And, um, yeah, 18, 18 seconds to go. Two tackles left in that Penrith set when uh, the high tackle came <laughs> on their own 40-meter line. Um, like, the, the, there was no... There was no two-point field goal that was going to come from that set. And, you know, but you know what? I'm kind of glad he did kick it because then the what-ifs would have been off. If Penrith had kicked the field goal, they would have gone on to win in Golden Point, no doubt. And instead, we got the definitive finish to this game. They had their chance in Golden Point, and the Eels were better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I can get on board with that in the... the, With the benefit of hindsight, obviously, yes. But... Uh, you know, obviously you'd take that missed field goal 100% to win the game last night just for the sake of your own mental and physical well-being. But like I said, now it, in the washout the morning after, I am kind of glad it did go to Golden Point because it really quashes any idea that Penrith would have won the game. Well, we're not, not to say they couldn't have, but that they, they definitively were going to win that game if it went to Golden Point. So really good to see the boys rally in that period. Entering Golden Point and man down is a massive mental hurdle, 60s. And, you know, there was no doubt Junior deserved to be Simbin there. And I know that some people might clown Mitchell Moses for the challenge on that. The challenge wasn't ever, in my opinion, wasn't ever for getting Junior off the hook because the bunker was always going to take a look at that shot regardless of a challenge or not. Junior was going to get binned one way or the other. 
it gave the team the extra 20, 30 seconds to rally for that final defensive stand. Uh, but yeah, in a game filled with awful, awful officiating, uh, it, it's almost ironic that Penrith had a clear, I, that was a clear cut penalty. There was no doubting that for a chance to take the game, the golden point. Uh, not really sure what was going through Junior's mind there, 60s. I think he was trying to uh, jump to clear the swing of the tackle, maybe. I don't think it was jumping to be violent into the tackle. I'm, again, not the player, can't speak for him uh, explicitly. But yeah, clear high shot, clear symbian, no issues with that. Plenty of issues of a lot of other calls, though. We'll talk about that later. Let's go by the numbers quickly. Parramatta Eels, 17, defeating the Penrith Panthers, 16, out at Combank Stadium. Crowd of uh, just under 16,500, which honestly wasn't a bad turnout for a, not not wet, but maybe a bit damp Thursday night. Uh, Bryce Cartwright opened a scoring for the Parramatta Eels. You were on Bryce on the Wednesday podcast, but you flipped to the other edge uh, to Ryan Madison in our pregame show. So if you put our pregame predictions together, 60s, we weren't too far off. I said 20 to 16. You said Bryce Cartwright originally. So between the two of us, we weren't, weren't too far off the pulse of this game. But uh, joining Bryce Cartwright in the scorer sheet was Brendan Hands, the rookie outstanding on debut, both defensively and in scoring that try. Uh, on the flip side, Dylan Edwards and Zach Hosking scoring for the Penrith Panthers, both kickers perfect off the tee. Two from two on the try conversion stakes of both Moses and Cleary. Moses tacking on two penalty goals to Cleary's one. Cleary obviously also adding on a two-point field goal, but Moses' one-point field goal, the difference between the two teams. Junior Barlow Simbin in the 79th minute. Mitch Kenny would follow him shortly into Golden Point in the 81st minute for probably wouldn't what wouldn't have been a, a conventional Simbin, I think, 60s, but with a man down for the Eels, it felt like that might have been a let's make Golden Point more interesting by making it even sort of call. So after I bemoan all the bad calls that went against Parramatta, that was one that went in their favour. But looking at these numbers, this speaks to the calibre of the game it was. Eels ahead in possession, 53 to 47%. Time possession, as you could imagine, would also favour the Eels in light of that. 33, nearly 34 minutes for Parramatta to Penrith's 30 minutes. And here's a big one. Parramatta, 95% completion rate. Penrith, 87% completion rate. Phenomenal game from these two teams. Uh, you're not going to get a much better combined completion rate all year, I dare say, 60s. And first of all, you're talking about um, uh, such a contrast to the first three rounds in terms of completion rates. So, Parramatta complete at that sort of rate in the first three rounds and even even not quite at that rate. Like if they'd have been completing 75, 85%. Yeah. That, that's, that is the par benchmark for this team is around 75, 80%. Yeah, yeah. So that just, as you said, that just spoke to the calibre of the match. It was, and and also just on that sin bin to, uh, of uh, Mitch Kenny during the extra time, the golden point, it that had no bearing on what happened. No, because no, because the Eels didn't play. Ex- was, they played through the middle for that entire set, so you just compressed defensively yeah. for the Panthers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I we we didn't look to take advantage of any numbers there. It was we played that set as we would have whether Mitch Kenny was on the field well, or not. It was 13, yeah, 14, said, or fifteen players on the field exactly. Uh, but yeah, continuing with the numbers. I mean, again, this speaks to how fierce a contest it was. Both teams, Eels just over 2,000 run metres, Penrith just under. Eels ahead on post-contact metres, but down on line breaks, 2-1. to one. So that shows you how strong those front lines were. Only three line breaks in this game, which were pretty much all with tries, I'm pretty certain. Uh, tackle breaks in favour of the Panthers, 30-13. to 13. Uh, Set distance between the two teams. It was literally like a metre 
between no, not even a meter. What I'm saying, there was uh, 15 centimeters, I think, between these two teams in the average set distance. Uh, one thing that did set, separate these two teams: average play, the ball speed. We're not surprised by the 60s. Eels up at 375. Penrith down at 298. Again, that ruck which we've had so much, so much to complain about on a weekly basis. It feels like when it comes to that held release interpretation. Uh, but Penrith very fast there. Uh, they actually got ahead of us in the offloads. That was one of your key stats in the pregame show. Uh, they were one of the more sort of mid-tier offloading teams. They outloaded the eels, out offloaded the eels twelve to nine on the day, uh, but the eels out kicking the Panthers uh, by a pretty handy margin here. Uh, only five more kicks, thirty to twenty-five. But Moses extracting the maximum value on each and every one of his clearing kicks, booting the team out to a ten sixty-eight total team effort where I think he made 970 individual kick meters, which I think might be an individual NRL era record there. So very good stuff to see there. Eels forcing two line dropouts. Always love seeing those numbers, 60s. Uh, Parramatta down, although I say down, they had a, a good team effective tackle rate of 88.5%. Penrith an outstanding team tackle rate of 93.4%. And then in terms of the errors, well, you don't get those completion rates without uh, minimizing your errors. They've got the Eels on the books for three errors, despite only completing uh, no non-completing two sets. So there must have been one defensive error. They have a judge there. I can't recall if someone touched a pass or something. Uh, but uh, we conceded six penalties to Penrith seven, one ruck infringement to Penrith two. I have two players on report, which I believe is Junior Barlow and Micah Sivo, if I'm not mistaken, for the uh, grapple tackle, which... <laughs> I'll talk about that. Not Makahesi. Was it Makahesi? Was it Makahesi for, for the high shot? Okay, maybe it was uh, I, I, I mean, I haven't checked the... Yeah, it might have been. It might have been Maka. I'm not sure. Penrith with the one player on report. Both teams, as I mentioned before, a sin being a piece. Eels using their full complement of interchanges. Penrith, somewhat, for some reason, only using seven. They did have a couple of HIAs in there, so that maybe that helped with the... Uh, uh, but they've got down... No, they're down for having zero HIAs assessments, which is a lie because Sony Luke was a cat one rule out of this game. So uh, NRL.com stats, not exactly on par there. And then we talk about the individual number 60s and you don't beat the Panthers in the manner we did without some Herculean individual performances. Three players going across the double ton mark and uh, probably the first three players you'd think of when it comes to these sort of efforts. Quentin Gufferson, 244 metres from 25 carries. Junior Barlow, 229 metres from 19 carries, terrific per run efficiency there from the big man, and then topping the entire team, uh, you know, and almost fitting again it was his ex club. And the play of that is just this this pair of bookends is going to go down historically for the Parramatta Eels, I think, amongst all the great bookends that they've had. But Reg, Reagan Campbell Gillard, 261 meters off 24 carries, 60s, absolute power, uh, you know, a tower of power out there, huge, huge effort. And to go along with that, you had great efforts in terms of numbers from Sevo, Penasini, Simonson was solid. Uh, going into the forwards now, Bryce Cartwright, outstanding. I want to talk about him as well, 60s. He's been so good to start this season. Ryan Madison making a tremendous return. 13 carries, 166 metres, 58 tackles, just two missed, zero one effective, playing on an edge and in the middle. So in pretty adverse conditions. Jermaine Hopgood, excellent again, 143 metres from 14 carries. And while the numbers on the bench don't point towards big impact 60s, 65 metres for Dory, 35 metres from Hands, 56 metres from Greg, 81 metres from Makatoa, that is the best all-round bench 
collective performance we've had in years. Each player added something, even though the numbers might not say it was huge. Dory sets up a try for Brendan Hands. Hands himself obviously scoring a try, but defending brilliantly. And Greg and Makatoa having a bit of sting in their runs and, you know, making that tackle. So love seeing all four bench members contribute. It's something that we've harped on about for quite some time. And when you look at the the totality of those numbers, this was a tremendous team performance. And there are a couple of players oh, you, you, you'll single out for higher merits, but this was a wonderful team performance and something that's been, you know, building, as we said, frustratingly, you know, not, not building in the good sense, but building negatively almost. This was their breakthrough team performance game and hopefully they can bottle it. Yeah, you've, you've mentioned a, a lot of the players I wanted to talk about. Uh, and I had circled the effort of Ryan Madison with not just the those run meters, the 166 run meters, but the 58 tackles with only two misses was sensational. But you also touched on the bench, and I thought that it was a it was a game where our bench made a real difference to the game. And just going through uh, what you were saying there, Matt Dury, his two tackle breaks provided a a point of difference in the game. Mm. They obviously set up the try, but he was going to cause problem. He was causing problems out on that edge, that right edge when he came on. Brendan Hands, he put in the sort of performance where once he came onto the field, BA couldn't remove him from the field. Well, yeah. It remains to be seen if Hodgson picked up some sort of like little nick or something like that that kept down the game, but... This is a rookie coming into his first NRL game up against his old club who happened to be the back-to-back running premiers. And not only was he entrusted with a full half of football, the second half of the game, but they put him in there in golden point and he did not let the team down, scored that try. I think he made 28 tackles, zero missed, zero ineffective and was a big part of that reason why why the uh, that vaunted Penrith front row was bottled up. So it did a fantastic job there. You couldn't ask for much more on debut, could you? No, you couldn't. And we saw uh, Woody, Wiramu Greg, his carries, the 56 run metres. Yeah, he, he didn't, he wasn't out there for very long, but the impact of his carries, he he was just dragging Penrith players in uh, in those post-contact. Mm-hmm. It just making, and it, and it was, it was the number of play, Penrith players that he attracted to bring him down that, was really caught my attention during the game. So it, it wasn't like those numbers were off the charts, but it was just that that little impact that happened at that time was much needed. And uh, Makahesi, I thought he brought that energy that he brought the previous week against the Sea Eagles. I thought his contribution was underrated last week. And uh, he brought energy at a time that was needed the, that week before against the Sea Eagles. So... Um, and he brought that same energy uh, again yesterday. And, um, yeah, it was, it was again, it, it was one of those games where you needed to find some sort of advantage at key moments in the game because there seemed to be, you know, that ebb and flow of the game. There was so many times where I thought, oh, the Panthers are on a roll here. This is like we've really got to hold on. And... You know, there were times when that we got that from the bench, and I, I you know, you, I, I couldn't have been happier about their contribution. Yeah, but again, fans. you go back to the the efforts of the um, 
of the starters as well. And it's just a great all-round two performance. Good. I spoke about that training session mm-hmm. on Tuesday. Fire and I, I yeah. couldn't. I couldn't go into too many details because you know I'm not I'm not there to go giving away what the team looks like uh, in their preparations. But um, now, apart from just saying that the team trained well, I can I can start talking about what I saw on Tuesday night. I knew that there was going to be a big lift in the performance this week. That was easily the best trading session I had seen for a long, long time. It had the opposed part of the training session had the intensity, the energy. Um, Well, let's just say it was close to an NRL match, the way they were ripping into each other. Um, it was close to what you would sometimes see in the peak of preseason when the players are looking to do their best to stake a claim for a starting spot at the start of the season. And in the training reports, I'd write up about the, um, the intensity of the, of the opposed session and that the hits were almost up at um, match day level. Well, I saw that on Tuesday night. Now, you don't normally see that in a training session because, you know, teams don't want to be belting into each other before the game. But if you hark back to what I was talking and this again isn't, it's talking about what I'm seeing at training and the matches are gone, so it doesn't matter now that I can talk about this. The previous week, I, I was a bit nonplussed walking away. It, it was it was a very light session. I think that had to do with the turnaround, what the what the games had been like. Um, no, no, I won't say that it was light. It was just it was just a session, you know. And, and it, 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 there wasn't anything bad about it, but um, I could contrast it with what I saw on Tuesday night, and it was just. You know the players looked like they were they were on a mission. Mm-hmm. They were really on a mission, and I'm not just talking about the first grade. I, I'm I'm talking about like the the standard of an opposed session like that. I, I couldn't believe I was seeing what well, I was seeing. It certainly looked like a benefit of both grade sixties because Eels in NRL and New South Wales Cup put on two extremely tough and clinical efforts against the Penrith Panthers who have always been the standard bearers for you know being the highest level of play in these two competitions. Yeah, and, and, and look, the other thing I want to stress as well is, you know, my attitude about training, which is I don't like to see perfection in a training session. No. And don't. people might think this is crazy, but if I'm, if I'm watching a training session... And there's not a drop and ball and everything... sharp, yeah. it, they're super sharp, and everything's sticking, and you start getting the nervous, the nervous sweats breaking out because you know oh, what's coming. <laughs> you know what's coming on game uh, day. Well, I, it, when when you see something that's close to perfection at training, yeah, I worry because uh, to me, they need some mistakes in a training session to keep their heads focused. You know, not to not get ahead of themselves. And when I say this was one of the best sessions that I'd seen, 
it was just that there was energy, there was intent, and it was, but it was the sort of energy and intent where I wasn't thinking, oh, they're, they're, they're going to probably leave this on the training track. You could see that they were working towards something. Like there was just, there was just a, um, I don't know if aura is the right word. Aura is probably not the right but word. Like a, a tangible but, intent in like the entire session, right? Yeah, there was there was a vibe. You know, let's go to the castle. There was a vibe about that session that said, "We're up for this game." Like where, and I don't know whether I was imagining things, but it it looked like the coaches at the start of the session that the coaches were out on the field, and the playing group were having a few words to themselves between themselves before they joined them out on the field for the warm-up. I mean, that's maybe that didn't, may, maybe that wasn't what happened, but it just looked from as I'm standing there watching and it seemed like the there was a delay in the players coming out. Normally you see uh, players will be out there kicking a ball around and, you know, it, 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 they warm, they start their own warm-up in a way they just get used to um, being out there on the field on the, on the training track. It, you know, it'd be pretty much like watching any footy session. There's players that you know get out there early, throw the ball around, have a bit of a um, bit of a run around themselves. Some some have their own processes they like to go through um, with a bit of running or stretching, even before the official running or stretching. Um, but yeah, it seemed like as a group they were the the coaches were out there on the field first and then the players came out and joined them from uh, from my recollection. It, it just felt like we're working towards something here. And though I thought it would still be uh, perhaps a high-scoring game, I thought we're going to be in this. And at the very worst, we're going to see that four-point margin either way. Um and I'm so glad <laughs> that it fell our way because when when the Panthers pulled back to 18-16 and there was still like about six or seven minutes to go, I thought to myself, they're on a roll here. They're going to get a converted try. We're going to lose by four points. You know, and it's terrible. It's terrible for me to have that mindset as a supporter up there in the stands. Um, and thank goodness that that those thoughts obviously didn't enter the players' minds. You know they they no it's, they a, it's had, a testament to the mental makeup of this squad that after three heartbreakers in a row they were staring down the barrel of another one against the best team in the competition and they rallied they just found that absolutely. extra gear they dug deep even with Cleary hitting one of the most ridiculous kicks you'll ever see I mean like I said full credit to Nathan Cleary on that effort because that was perhaps maybe the best field goal you'll see in the NRL and they still found something deeper to go out there and win in Golden Point. So huge, huge outcome for this team. Huge. And one thing I want to quickly talk about 60s is something that you raised in our pregame show at Jack's Bar and Grill about how these two teams are almost diametrically opposed at times when it comes to contributions on the field. In this game, it couldn't have been more fitting based on what you told us in your stat, uh, statistical breakdown. Uh, we already mentioned that, you know, we've had Reg and Junior making huge contributions alongside really good efforts from Cartwright, Madison, Hopgood, uh, and uh, the bench boards with Makatoa and Greg also chipping in there. But for the Panthers, they had two starting forwards going over 100 metres, one being Isaiah Yo, obviously a huge, you know, uh, huge talented player there, set up their first try. No no shocks that he had a good game. 
Zach Hosking, the uh, young and a row player, the other one going for 110 metres. Nathan Cleary, the next best player, 117 metres. Then their outside backs, 177 from Tango, or Tango, uh, 230 from Brian To'o. And you know it's a pretty crazy game when Brian To'o isn't even near the lead. Uh, you had 275 metres from Dylan Edwards and 312 metres from Sunia Taruva. So there, and that was really what we saw in the second half. Their forward pack was a non-factor. It was their outside backs doing all the heavy lifting, not just coming off their own uh, goal line, but right through into the Parramatta midfield. The outside backs were getting in there and just running from dummy half or running one off the ruck. So yeah, fascinating stuff. And, there. and we should, and we should point out too that they they do that sort of um, structure in in the way that their sets work because then that allows their forwards to make you have these sorts of numbers like Mitch Kenny 55 tackles, James Fisher Harris 56 tackles, Zach Hosking 55 tackles, Isaiah Yo 49 tackles. So their running meters are really low. Um you know, Leo a, to 40 43. Yeah, they're starting front row, which is like legitimately one of the best in the NRL. Belly went for a combined 100 metres. 43 yeah, Leota, yeah. 68 for Fisher-Harris. Obviously, the defensive numbers are up there. And that, that's probably a way of looking at it is a, fin- a really fascinating compartmentalization of the attacking and defensive roles in this game. Their backs did all the yeah. attacking. Their middles did so much defending. And obviously, it nearly worked. They, they got within a point at the Parramatta Eels, took on the golden point. But yeah, I mean... We, we know how dominant Leota and Fisher-Harris can be. We saw that in the grand final. But on this day, I don't know if it's a if it's that lack of an Appy Coruscant to get him on the front foot. I know that Mitch Kenny is a bit uh, almost methodical in how he sort of distributes the ball. It's a, it's a bit slower than Appy, and Appy can certainly jump out of dummy half far more aggressively, getting those guys absolutely flying into the ad line. But, yeah, really, really interesting game here about how the two teams approach this contest uh, at such a high level, but in different ways. Yeah, and um, I also want to give a shout out to our back three there because we, as you mentioned, we were talking about this in the pregame, and I, I contrasted the running meters of the back five for each team, and the the Panthers basically, even in the small sample size of their two games, our three games leading into this, it was it was double the running metres that the Panthers' back five had to the to the Eels' back five. But, well, you know, still big, big, big metres from our um, our back three and uh, Will, Will Pensini with his 133. But the big thing was the kick diffusals yeah. from our our back three. Um, and Wonga, and just, Wonga Blake. Wonga actually had a yeah, couple of big... Gonna, yeah. I wasn't going to ignore that because <laughs> he came up with a couple of uh, clutch catches there too, as did Dylan Brown right in the goal yeah, mouth. True, but but some of the the takes from Sebo uh, were spectacular, as people would remember the the way he attacked the ball in the air, so that it was he was on the front a lot, like he was taking it, running and leaping into that catch so that he was imposing his physical presence in the contest. And um, the catches, the takes of Gutherson under pressure and Bailey Simonson too. Um, really outstanding contributions to the match where 
you know, there's there's been moments where those players have, well, certainly not um, uh, Gutho, but the wing had, had had a couple of moments where the ball had gone down in previous weeks. But it was just, you know, when you're talking about such a low error rate and it's, it contrasts so heavily with, um, well, what was our completions at, at, at one stage in the first half uh, the previous weeks? We were, we were down in the 50-odd percent mark with completions. It, I mean, it's just it just shows how when you keep it a little bit simple where you need to, and I'm going to come back to those offloads. We only made nine offloads last night. Now, our game is based on getting the offloads away, but we were far more selective with the offloads last night. We didn't chance the arm with the offloads. You can't really um, get into the sort of match that we had with the Panthers last night where there is too much risk taken. Even the Panthers with their own offloads, they were very, very late offloads that were happening when it seemed like, uh, from memory, I mean, I'm only going off the um, off my gut reaction, the eye test, when I'm saying that there were tackles that I thought were completed and they were yeah. getting a late offload yeah. away. There, there were a couple there and, that really, especially because we had one that came back as well, where we had a promising attacking opportunity in midfield uh, culled by, uh, you know, go back and play the ball sort of thing, which, you know, you're not, you don't worry about too much if it goes both ways, which unfortunately some of the officiating didn't last night. Yeah, and, and before we talk a little bit about the officiating, and I don't want to talk too much about officiating, but um, you also flagged talking about Bryce Cartwright. Yeah. And oh, the, the, what are you, what's your, what's your takes on this version of Bryce Cartwright the, that we're seeing in 2023? There are a few things you can talk about because obviously Bryce made a reputation in the NRL as being that flashy, Fletty Mateo, Sonny Bill-esque offloader, a guy that can sort of razzmatazz his way to a spectacular play or a spectacular screw up. But mate, the 2023 version of Bryce Cartwright is just effort on effort. And that, that is really what stood out to me last night is what stood out across the first few weeks is there's been the odd offload here and there. Uh, you know, and he's had an error or two where he's been, you know, fed a ball in a tough situation and couldn't quite bring it into contact. Or within like the parameters of any player, let alone Bryce. But last night, there were just a couple of defensive efforts. He forced a tackle working from marker. Uh, sorry, forced an error from a tackle working from marker, which was a huge play. He was one of the guys consistently putting pressure on Nathan Cleary. Uh, and he just played tough. Like, gee, you've got to respect the way he's playing right now on both sides of the ball, putting his hand up to make the tackles, make the hard tackles, to run the ball hard and not try and force the issue of an offload. And those offloads will come. You know, you're not going to be playing the Penrith Panthers every week. Guys, you know, a team that can just get there in numbers and, and you watch them. They got there and they wrapped up the ball aggressively on Cartwright, on Hopgood, on Junior. They knew, they had their, their homework done. They knew who were the big offloaders in this team. They went in there for a plan to stimmy those second phase attempts. And the Eels, to their credit, like you said, 60s, had a sort of pre-prepared counter plan of, we're not going to offload. We're not going to try and force the offloads. If it's there, we'll do it. But we're going to play rock-solid north-south football and uh, take our opportunities in other fa- in other phases of the game. So, yeah, Bryce is... Well, been- here's, here's, the, here's the clincher with that. Junior Paulo, no offloads. Yeah. Like, Ryan Mattis, no offloads. Yeah, two of the most prolific offloaders in the game. And they just put it away. They just said, no, nah, we're going to go north-south. 
we're going to get to play the ball, and that's it. But yeah, and, and I think what we're really we we spoke about this at the start of the season when Parramatta were coming in with the uh, the injuries and suspensions, and Bryce Cartwright got the starting spot. We said that this was his opportunity to stake a claim yep. to being in the team yep. for an extended period of time. I'm thinking at, at the, this form of Bryce Cartwright stays in the team. You cannot in good, in good, fa- in good faith drop him, can the, you? Sean Lane comes back oh, into the starting team, no doubt, because Lane is world-class as a back rower. He, and his importance to this team... Uh, as good as Bryce has been, his importance to that left edge has been so obvious in terms of just the the attention, the detail, and the finesse uh, defensively in particular uh, in the construction of that left edge. But Bryce, to his credit, has made his tackles. Uh, and, yeah, he goes back to the bench at worst and then becomes a guy you can play on both edges when you need to. Um, and, and really, when the Eels are back at full fitness, and this is a big knot, I'm, I'm banging on my wooden desk right now very aggressively. If the Eels can get back to health, full health, that bench suddenly gives you so much flexibility because you're going to have Jack Murchie capable of playing middle and edge. Bryce Cartwright can play both edges. You can throw him in the middle if you need to as well. He can play lock forward. You're going to have Brennan Hands, who you imagine is you know, not, not necessarily put himself into an instant contract upgrade, but he certainly opened the door on becoming a fixture on that bench after such a great debut. He can play 6, 7, 9, 13. So huge flexibility there. And you've got one spot left, which would probably be Ryan Madison's. Uh, well, probably, I say, just depending on who's starting. But then you've got Matt Dory, who deserves a spot. Like, If you can get back to full health, there are some fascinating questions coming to this team because there are guys you know, that are putting their hands up, which is what you want to see. Yeah, and Ryan Madison really also gave us a reminder yeah, the, about the what he's capable yeah. of in terms of the minutes and the, the effort across yeah. minutes. There, so there aren't many guys even that you, when, can, you can throw edge, middle, edge, in one game like that and expect to be playing at such a high standard on both sides of the ball. And, you know, to make, yeah. you know, damn near 60 tackles and just miss a couple, to run the ball with the intent that he did. Uh, and also the fact that we said that, you know, in another game, he brings that extra element of his build to offload. Just the Panthers aren't the sort of team where you can force those offloads. Yeah, and and it's... We know that when Ryan Madison comes off the bench... And the uh, the way that BA used him last year was that he would play sixty minutes off the bench, mm-hmm. like he would just be out of the the opening exchanges, come on, and then the bench rotation would happen around him. So it's fascinating to see what the structure is going to be going forward because BA really has that option around the three players of um, Dury, Madison, Cartwright in covering the back row spot alongside Sean Lane. And I guess that's the other thing as well, is that Parramatta did so well with uh, being down in troops. So, um, yeah, just, I mean, it it gave a lot of hope about what's going to happen with uh, bench impact going forward, where a lot of Parramatta supporters up to now were concerned about what sort of impact our bench was going to be able to bring in comparison to some other teams. So, uh, look, for me, the bench didn't so much worry me uh, from a, a case of all players being available. It was what was going to happen once we got a few injuries, what was what our options were. But last night, 
all players rose to the occasion, mm-hmm. which was, you know, just a fantastic effort. We're probably now down to the stage of trying to nominate a three-two-one match. Oh, you know, sometimes it's tough for the negative reasons. This is one of those rare occasions. And not rare because the Parramatta's don't play good games. Obviously, they've been a grand finalist in the last competition that played out. Uh, but just but this is one of the most holistic team performances I've seen in a while. So I know who I know who's getting my three. I think I know who's getting my one. Who's getting my two though? Oh, there's a couple guys who get the one as well. So I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, uh, mate, a, a, a wise man said to me recently, when you're trying to allocate your three, two, one. Look, anytime you're looking to give players points, you have to look at, first of all, are there any players that the team would have struggled to win without? And that that probably clarifies uh, some of my choice in uh, in my 3-2-1 because there are, there are, as you said, there are players who are deserving of... of Real praise, which we've tried to do. Like in- one one player I didn't have a chance. I, mean, I know you mentioned, but one player I didn't have a chance to talk about was Will Penasini, who was an absolute powerhouse in that setting up that drive for Brendan Hands and defensively, just absolutely bottled Isaac Tungo up, like just huge down that edge. And I think he's going to miss out on 28 points. Twenty eight tackles, twenty eight tackles, and I think he's going to miss out on points. Like that, that is crazy. That twenty eight tackles, one missed, sets up a try, runs one hundred and thirty three meters, you know, just. Absolute class on both sides of the ball, and I think he is missing out today. Like that is just how crazy yeah. this game was. So, you know, if these, yep. if if you've got a different three to one and you're listening, just bear in mind that we're not any player that misses out is not getting knocked in this particular account. There is just this is a very tough game to give out the points in because everyone played so well. Yeah, and uh, and we're really isn't it amazing as well that we haven't spoken too much about Hopgood. Yeah, <clears throat> yep. who himself made uh, fifty-three tackles on on top of the hundred and forty-three run meters. It's yeah, it's just a, a a fascinating way to look at the game and and to find that there's all these players that we miss out on. We probably saw a very composed Dylan Brown. Yeah, who, beautiful tries for himself. Yeah, he he set up with that uh, with those that kick, um, allowed Mitch Moses to do most of that the general work that was there, but was just you know it was one of those support roles that it, it wasn't out an out what you'd call an outstanding game from Dylan Brown, but he also didn't overplay his hand at any stage and. The other thing too, and I think this was important from Dylan, was he came up with zero errors where you, you could just see that along with the rest of the team, his head was deep in that game. Mm-hmm. And if there's ever a criticism of Dylan, it's that maybe there are moments where he floats in and out of the game and we just didn't see any any evidence of that whatsoever. So, um, yeah, it's hard to fault any of the players there. So, um, yeah, let's let's try to let's attempt the three, two, one. My three, mate. I got to go with the king. I got to go with Guffo. Good call. I, Good call. Yeah, I I look at that and I think there were 
there were moments there in defence. The tackle on James Fisher-Harris off that ground oh, kick was huge. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So I, uh, I, I can't – see, I, I look at his contribution and I go, does the win happen without Gutho? No, I, it doesn't. Now, the thing is I could probably say that about – Six or seven players based <laughs> on last night, and but, and you are yeah. well, you are well and truly correct in saying that. And Gufton is going to feature in my poll, but I go, my mind goes back to how we sort of discussed that diametrically opposed sort of game strategies, where the Panthers rely so heavily on their backs. In contrast, we rely so heavily on our forwards, and Reagan Campbell Gillard just led the way on that field. He was. Uh, instrumental in keeping the Eels on the front foot through the middle throughout the regular minutes of that game. Then come Golden Point, I think he had two hit-ups in the set to set up that field goal. Uh, you know, one to start at one to actually set up the field goal attempt. And the the big man, like I said earlier in this podcast, his partnership with Junior Barlow will, pro- will probably go down in Parramatta history as, if not the greatest, probably like top two uh, in, in a team that's had some great props. Uh, these two... Uh, paid to be the superstars, and they reminded everyone last night that they are, you know, probably the best front row rotation in the competition. Well, you've just stolen my thunder. I'll just echo everything you said it because I'm giving Reg my two points. He was very, very close to getting my three. Um, I found it hard to separate being Gutho because, like Gutho, if he wasn't out on the field. The win doesn't no. happen, and that's it why it doesn't happen. Yeah, that's why the captain or co-captain Guffo gets my two points as well. Tremendous at the back, worked his ass off on that fourth tackle to set up the kick for Mitchell Moses. Uh, also fantastic defensively. That I mean that tackle on Fisher Harris, which he copped a cheap shot for too. By the way, Harris made sure not to miss his kidneys uh, on the dead ball whistle, uh, which didn't draw any penalty from Ashley Klein. Uh, but Guffo sensational, you know, and. This was a game where the two fullbacks were just instrumental for both teams. Dylan Edwards was fantastic for the Panthers too, but Guffo wasn't going to be outshined. Yeah, and um, your your two points, mate? One point, you mean? Sorry? Oh, sorry. Um, your your two points was to who uh, To Guffo, sorry. To Guffo. Guffo, yep, yep. Okay, and uh, yeah, the one point. Oh, man. I mean, I could I could give it to Junior. Easily, there, there are a I, number. I, of... I could give it. I could give it to Matto quite easily. Mm-hmm. I, I could give it in any other week. I could give that to Cardi. Mm-hmm. Um, I could even give it to Sevo for you know some of those crucial takes and 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 the strong contribution in run meters. Um, but I'm going to give it to Mitch Moses because. His his composure through that match, it it was. I can't even say that it was an understated game management performance from him, because you have those massive kick meters that he provided. You have the field goal, mm-hmm. obviously, that he had to ice the game, but it was just the way that the he steered the the match around and when it came to the end and you you saw that composure on his face when the Parramatta set up for that field goal and it was like yeah I'm about to get this done you know that was that little nod and the look on his face of you know 
I'm ready. <laughs> I'm going to nail this. And if you, if in the stands we had have had a close up of what he looked like in that moment, we probably would have known before the field goal went over that the field goal was going over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he it was, was locked just, in. Yeah, yeah. So um, again, it comes down to: Would we have won the game without Mitch Moses? And I say not because the the amount of times that the Panthers had us within our own half and his kicks were travelling virtually to the Panthers' goal line. And, and the, 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 the one stat that isn't measured in the NRL, and this is something we, we might have to have a dive into, that is probably the most underrated element of Mitchell Moses' long-kicking game, and it's something that gets brought up in NFL as to what it's a metric that punters aim for. It's not just distance, it's hang time. Because keeping yeah. that ball in the air, let your kick chase get downfield, set up 10 metres from the, uh, the uh, downfield offside mark, and then get in there and, and swallow up the kick return. So he is the best yeah. at it in the NRL. He gets so much hang yeah. time on those balls. Yeah, and there's criticism that comes Parramatta's way for the kicking game in saying, look, we're not putting up spirals or floaters or any anything like that that, that challenge the the kick reception and yeah look i i can see that but the thing is that our our game is based on that long kicking game of moses where he, he is he is looking for that hang time and the distance he's not looking for a a kick a la matt burton that's not his kicking style he, he could probably develop that you would imagine but he's looking for accuracy, distance, hang time, accuracy with a, with the long kicking game. And when it comes to the Eels' short attacking kicking game, what we saw last night was we looked to get into position for, um, again, accuracy, getting the ball right on the line with the kick for the, for the kick chases. So um, I don't think we're ever going to see the the sort of kicking game that you might see from the Bulldogs or a couple of other clubs with those awkward kicks. But last night, I don't think you could ask for more of Parramatta's kicking game. No, and Moses outstanding. Uh, fantastic way to cap off what we believe is that contract extension with the club. And you mentioned at 60s that in this game, there were so many players worthy of that one point. Sivo, Panasini, Dillbags, uh, obviously Junior, Cartwright, Madison, Hopgood. Dory off the bench, fantastic, and spearheading that try, that go-ahead try. Narrative plays a big part in the one point this week, I think. You mentioned Mitchell Moses. The narrative there was very strong. Uh, you know, once again, putting behind a few weeks of not discontent, but just allowing the media to sort of fester away, you know, easy, willy, wony, you know, what's he doing? The player I'm going to give it to is very much a narrative award as well on debut thrown into the fray against the best team in the competition, forced to play 40 minutes, including Golden Point, sudden death football. Brennan Hands just roast the occasion. He's been very solid in Cup, uh, being a guy that we mentioned in the pregame show, a victim of his own versatility last year, played all over the park. This year has been given a chance to focus, not not 100% focus on dummy half. He started the season in the halves, partnering Jake Arthur, but had a chance in recent weeks to get back to dummy half, where he's been very good. Comes into this game and just... What a debut. You know, he goes near 30 tackles, zero missed, scores a try, 
good service. There was only one moment in the game where he got uh, a little bit mixed up as to who he was going to for the clearing kick, and he ended up finding Mitch without any dramas. Uh, yeah, fantastic debut for a young man that you know has maybe punched a ticket to be on the bench for the foreseeable future now. Yep, yep. So, um, mate, uh, I can't argue with that in any way, shape, or form. It's do we win without him out there on the field? Probably not. I think we've I think we've met that metric, haven't we, in our selections? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and again, it's a measure of the of the performance. It's a measure of the standard of the game that we're split in our decisions. Um, obviously, we've got a couple of players that are in common there, but that the one point could have gone to so many players, and it's it's a measure of the contributions of the of the individual players within the team. Um, we're going to in a moment. We're going to mention the uh, give a bit of mention to the New South Wales Cup game, mm-hmm. and I think that's I think that's well worth doing. I don't know that I really want to d- dedicate any time to looking at the officiating other than to say that we've got um, two teams that um, have produced different play the ball rates of nearly a second again. And yes, Parramatta aim to be really disciplined there and not give away penalties or six against that sort of thing. We don't engage too much in the wrestle or the hold down. And the reason that we don't is that it's not supposed to exist, right? The the referees have this mandate that the they held, are going to hold release, yeah. release really quickly so the, the play can move on. Now, we don't want to see touch football happening. We're not advocating anything like that because way back in the bad old days of the Super League where teams were rolling off the playing, uh, tackle player, we saw how bad that can look. And uh, I don't want to see anything that looked like Super League Rugby League. But what I can say is that in the um, in getting that second difference, we see uh, we had a repeat of what we saw in the first round when the Eels played the Storm. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah. you know, that, that just wasn't good enough um, as far as the officiating is concerned. Um, we saw, and look, I guess this can happen in any game. I thought it was a blatant forward pass from Yo in the in the Panthers' first try. I, I was more I missed was, by the uh, lead-up pass from Dummy Half. I thought that was very yes. good forwards. Yeah, it was, and and at the ground, people called out the forward pass as that first pass from Dummy Half was thrown. Um, but you know, it's look, it's one of those games where. When you when you have the official that we had in charge, you know it's you you're going to get moments that you're not happy with. I guess that happens with a lot of referees. Um, his performance was probably better than what we saw in the first round, and maybe that's coloured by us. Well, we, talking about a Neil's you, win. You say that, but he clearly didn't learn his lesson about using the ball as a leverage to get up and play the ball which is what the Josh Hodgson penalty was a big sticking point for, was the Storm using an illegal play of the ball method to get off the ground. And it felt like the Panthers were doing that every other play, propping themselves up for the ground off the ball. So, I don't know. I just uh, I just want games called cleanly. Well, not, not perfectly cleanly, because 
again, it is an incredibly difficult challenge to officiate rugby league games at the breakneck pace they're played at. But it just felt like last night there were some timely calls that came when uh, the you know the opposition team needed them, whereas the Eels were left begging for penalties multiple times after sequences where they were absolutely mobbed in the play of the ball with second and third efforts. So I don't know. It just uh, I hate talking about it because it. It does detract from a, a really good post-reaction podcast, but at the same time, yeah. it, it is an issue with the game, and it's just not getting better. Yeah, and look, I guess the um, neutrals or some pundits will will also say, and maybe rightly so. I mean, maybe we're being too harsh here, but they'll say that for the game to play out as it did last night, the standard of the game the officiating must be doing something right. Um, you know, maybe we could argue that the game was doing, the players were doing something right in spite of. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe we just leave it there just to say, look, we were there. We weren't happy with the standard of the um, officiating. We're not going to rip in too much, but it just needs to be better. And it's, and, you know, yeah, we'll move on. Um, the, New South Wales Cup game, mate. We again. I'm going to come back to that training session yep. because I wasn't just talking about the the Eels' first grade team in that training session. I, I'm talking about the both teams ripping in and having outstanding moments, and both teams put pressure on each other. Both teams ran the ball with intensity. Both teams tackled and scrambled um, against what was outstanding play. Now, you and I are going to have to be trying to get some footage to look at to have a good look at the game because we were on pre-match duties in the Leagues Club. We were doing the uh, preview podcast in Jack's Bar and Grill. And um, uh, and, and I think that's um, uh, something that um, we've had to rely on getting a bit of feedback from um, our uh, some of our friends of the throw, and uh, courtesy of uh, of Hamish, he really liked the contributions of Luca Moretti, Arthur Miller, Stephen, Mitch Rain. Um, he, he and he also had some uh, feedback about some other players too, because um, I know that there are people that are interested in. Um, in the form of uh, particular players. So his comments on Hayes Dunster, uh, rucked out the ball well, made some good tackles. Um, physically was um, probably a little bit uh, improved on last week because the previous week he suffered from cramps late in the game, which you might expect that was his first full 80 minutes the previous week against Manly. So he didn't have any cramping issues. Um, Dejan, um was one of those games where he was, I guess he was just part of the team. There wasn't anything, any moments that Ham thought were outstanding. Um, Jake Arthur played both sides of the ruck. Excellent kicking game. Uh, was called for a few forward passes. Um, one or two could have gone either way. Jake set up a, a nice try for Arthur Miller-Stevens with a, a grubber that he timed to absolute perfection. Tony Mattaielli. Uh, a couple of really strong runs, um, and uh, his defence looked really strong. Um, 
and we probably saw what about the last 25 minutes, something like that. And what I witnessed from the team was just that commitment to defence. Mm. Yeah, and from, the, from people you might not expect too, because I thought players like Ofahiki Ogden, who haven't been exactly stalwarts defensively, came up with some big plays on the goal line. So really good to see that collective team performance. Oh, look, if you're if you are getting over the Panthers, not just in the NRL, but in their um, much vaunted reserve grade team as well, because they're, they're, uh, they won everything last yeah, year. from SG Ball upwards. Yeah. SG Ball, Flegg, New South Wales Cup and first grade. So to get the double last night against the Panthers, that said a lot about where Parramatta's mindset was and again, I, I keep coming back to what I witnessed at training. That both of those teams were up for the contest. I think that the New South Wales Cup team really got a lot out of that comeback victory the previous week out at Blacktown against the Blacktown Workers Seagulls. Mm-hmm. Now, the Blacktown Workers Seagulls had, uh, which is the Manly feeder team, had not um, set the world on fire in previous years but they had a significant lead in the game. It was something like 16 to six and just the, and and a lot of calls going against them. And the way that the Eels fought back last week in that game said a lot about the resolve that was in that group. And when the match was over and like the, the bench went up, it was, you could see the joy that was in the team in getting that, win and they went on with it yesterday. I'm going to look forward to um, watching some footage of the game uh, from last night Um, and it's good to see that the players in performing as they did you, you you want a New South Wales Cup team, a reserve grade team that's going to be saying to the first grade team, hey look we're winning as well Mm And you know, if you if your foot goes off the accelerator, there's players there that the temp, the coach might be tempted to use because when you want, like we've had in the previous weeks, there's supporters were calling on changes to the first grade team. You're not going to get changes to the first grade team if those below it haven't earned it. And, and at while that, at that point, they, winning, yeah, they clearly hadn't. Yeah, and. Um, and now that the team is is winning and you're starting to see some individual performances that you can talk about because it's pretty hard to talk about individual performances in matches like we had in the first two weeks where it just wasn't up to standard and it wasn't up to standard. Um, and uh, although in the first week they probably should have uh, beaten... Um, oh, no, they had, a, they had a tough loss, didn't they, against to the... the yeah, the rate. Yeah, yeah, they yeah they should have beaten the Raiders. Yeah, Absolutely. and then then the Jets turned the screws on them in round two. Yeah, uh, it was round two. Yeah, it was. I was trying to think that that was a that was a particularly bad performance yes, against the was. Jets. Yeah, the Jets so, one was the real disappointing loss, and that was where people were crying out for changes in in the NRL team. It was like, well, you can't. I'm on the back of what we just saw against the Jets, where the Eels lost by four points in NRL to Cronulla, but got thumped by the Jets in reserve grade. But since then. There's been an injection of youth into this team, 60s. Uh, Arthur Miller-Stevens coming to the team at fullback. Done wonderfully well uh, on both sides of the ball, but particularly in defense, bringing a lot of energy there. Uh, we've mentioned uh, to, we've mentioned sorry Tony Matelli several times 
he's continued to be ultra consistent. I think he's gone over 100 meters in each game this year, led the team in tackle bus last night, and had a big, big hit late in the game that really set the tone. Uh, but uh, outside of that, we saw Jonte Jr. Bethamiza make his cup debut, really solid, got a... Uh, 40-odd metres from four runs, plus a whole stack of tackles in his 20-minute period there. Looked at home in the grade, love to see that. Uh, but yeah, Jaden Yates, Luca Moretti. Didn't get to see much of him last year, 60s. He was banged up. And geez, we missed out on something. Because he's, he's been a really positive start, or contributed to the team, even in those losses. He's been really positive. And I think in the last couple of weeks, he's gone to an extra level. So suddenly you've got another player that's starting to put their hand up and say, well, maybe you can't pick me now, but down the road, I'm going to be in contention, surely. Yeah, and and we're also seeing that uh, when when BA said at the end of last year that he was going to give Jake a, Jake a chance to develop his game at New South Wales Cup level uh, wherever possible, like that he that his intent was that he stays in that grade this year, develop his game as he should at um, at such a young age. Um, he's 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 really stuck to that because. If, if there was a an indication that he he wanted to bring on someone who could cover around the spine in a game, he you you might have thought he, that he would have gone with Jake Arthur in this particular match, but he went with Brendan Hands, and that to me is really signalling what Brad's intent is around Jake for this year that he wants his son to develop his playmaking skills. And I think we're, we're really seeing that. Like he had a very, very confident game last week against the Seagulls. And I'm looking forward to seeing um, in the, on the tape, how he looks in, uh, in this particular game. So mate, um, just looking ahead now, we've got five games, five games of Eels versus and Panthers al- on Saturday. Also, also, while we're at it, since it is Saturday, it's also a reminder to do your civic duty. Don't get fined. Get out there and vote. Make sure you, you log your vote. I don't care who you're voting for. Just don't get fined. But, yeah, then get out yeah. there and watch the football. Yeah, so five grades out at Cabramatta. We mentioned it in the podcast at Paraleagues last night. It starts off with the Lisa Fiola Cup. They only play four games in their shortened season. It's like a it's, – it's their development pathway to the Tasha Gale Cup. These are under-17 girls – They've, they've absolutely walloped their opposition in the Sharks and the Seagulls in the first two matches. Uh, 40-odd points in the first week, 50 to nil against the Seagulls last week. I've been out there covering the games. It's been sensational rugby league to watch. Uh, these girls play a great game of rugby league. You've got um, forwards that just absolutely steamroll the opposition. You've got a lot of pace out in the backs. Um, they combine well as a team. They're obviously well-coached. Um, that rolls into the Tasha Gale Cup with the girls looking to get into uh, finals football. They're just sitting just outside on for and against with uh, in the uh, just outside that top six. But with two games to go, they win the two games because they play the fifth place Panthers this week. They win the two games, they play finals football. Um, then you've got the Harold Mats and the SG Ball, both teams sitting top two, taking on the Panthers who sit just below them on the table. Uh, big clashes there. Both teams, there's such an advantage finishing top two because the top two in the six-team final series get the first week off uh, and go straight through to the grand final qualifier. And it then rolls finally into the jersey flag out there 
where the Jersey flag team also had a come from behind victory against the Seagulls last week. So they'll be looking to consolidate uh, against a strong Penrith Panthers team. Um, uh, they will be doing particularly well to advance there. And, and again, we're talking about matches against a powerhouse club um, in lower grade football, as well as the NRL level in the Panthers. So we've started off well. We've got two out of two so far. <laughs> Wouldn't it be sensational to end up with seven out of seven? I mean, yeah. that that might be hoping above hope, but you can't do better than starting with two out of two. And, uh, mate, that's that's probably a, a, a good way to conclude it. If you can't get out there to Cabramatta, then follow the live coverage on uh, the Cumberland Throw. We apologised last night. There was uh, there was internet connection problems that prevented we'll, we'll get the there live stream. <laughs> we'll figure out things on our end, on the club's end. We'll get there and have that live, the companion live stream for those that can't get to Jack's Bar and Grill. Uh, but yeah, last night wasn't that night, unfortunately. Sixties. Yeah, it was. It was technical issues that were uh, completely unexpected, that hadn't been encountered before, and uh, really, when we're talking about getting into a a live event, we um, we 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 delayed the start for by about five or ten minutes as we attempted to um, get those technical issues uh, solved. But we had to be there for the live audience so um yeah so we pressed on but yeah we we will be bringing you the coverage from um Cabramatta on Saturday uh, John and I are going to do a bit of a tag team I'll I'll start proceedings off and uh, then John will take over so um the coverage will improve as the day goes <laughs> on that's all Come I'll on. say <laughs> uh... um, so uh mate uh yeah Good place to, to finish on on a, on that positive note. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, mate, go you mighty eels. Yeah, go you mighty eels indeed. Thanks for stopping by and giving us a listen, guys. Great to get that monkey off our back, get that breakthrough win. Let's hope we're on the up and up from here on in. And, yeah, look forward to a bumper Saturday of action out at Cabramatta. See you guys in the next episode.